0: I'm Beth. Harman, Kentucky State champion. Nice to meet you. There are two games a day, and the time control is 120-40. You get two hours to make 40 moves. Welcome to Cincinnati. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the third episode of my series review of The Queen's Gambit. This episode focuses on episode number three, which is titled Doubled Pawns, and this introduces Beth's lifestyle when she starts entering tournaments around the US, and it is a great development of her relationship with her mother, whose name I found out is Alma. But before I talk about the actual episode, I wanted to mention a few things that I hadn't spoken about so far. And a lot of it was touched upon on the behind the scenes show that Netflix did um, about the Queen's Gambit. And it's just a 15 minute video on Netflix, but there's you get a lot of detail about um, the behind the scenes and what the director and what Anya thinks about her her character. And how they set up the show as well, but one of the main things I got about from that, from watching that, is that Beth is so, as a character, she's so centered about how intelligent she is that she doesn't even think about herself as a woman, and that's something Anya Taylor-Joy spoke about because. You're, her, you're, you're experiencing her throughout the 1960s where it's a really male-dominant envi- environment, and we even see that when she goes and enters chess tournaments. It's all guys, I touched upon this in the last podcast, but Beth is the type of person that she just assumes she's equal, even from an earlier age when she's with Mr. Scheibel. She just as- assumes that there's no barriers to what she can do, which I really like in a character. It fuels her passions and It fuels her interest in chess, which is really, really gripping to watch. But in another sense, Beth is her own antagonist because she needs to discover herself, how she fits in this world of chess, which is, as I said, dominated by men. And um, when they were actually developing this as a show, they were going to do it as a film. Scott Frank, who's the director and writer and creator, um, they were going to do it as a film in around the mid 2000s. But looking back at that sort of time, the films you were getting, there was like a lot of Harry Potter films and that's when superhero films were like becoming a thing. You wouldn't get a film like this, I don't think. Um, only recently we got a film with Toby McGuire titled Porn Sacrifice about Bobby Fischer. That was like in 20, 2017, I think. But you wouldn't get a film like this in 2000s. And then quite recently miniseries have started to become a massive thing the first one that comes to mind is Chernobyl which won every award you can think of but for the book to work as a miniseries the audience needs to be able to invest in Beth as a character and that's one of the main points about it and the first real relationship we have with Beth is through Mr Scheibel and that is a man who can say no to her and he's the one that understands her ability for chess but another antagonistic thing about Beth is that she deals with addiction and the trick with addiction is to make sure that the audience sympathizes for the character and as Beth gets older she discovers that she has more addictions not only with tranquilizers but with alcohol and In this episode, particularly, you discover the start of that and she is ultimately her own worst enemy because that's what the show is all about, really. When I was watching this series and this episode in particular, I was just asking myself, is Beth going to lose herself or is she going to keep hold of herself? Is she going to overcome her addictions and become this incredible chess player, which, At the end of the show, she ultimately does, but that is what fueled the train for me to take me on this journey throughout the whole show, and myself asking that question, is she going to strive through this? Is she going to, like, overcome her obstacles? That is what made the show so enjoyable to watch, but um, chess isn't the only thing that Beth thinks that she can control she may not be able to control her life but she can control the pieces on the chessboard so whenever she's playing chess she is in complete control she looks most calm even though the stakes are so high and she is struggling with her emotions both mentally physically but um, throughout the entire show even from a really young age like in episode one Beth is juggling that fine line of Is she insane or is she a genius? And I feel like she's constantly asking herself these questions because as an audience member, I was asking the exact same questions. Like, is this girl really, really smart or is she completely dumb? Because she's literally drinking away all of her talents. She seems to disrupt every relationship she has. Her family life is really, really jarring and disorientated she basically has no family support and she's never really had any true emotional connection with someone because whenever she this is in the later episodes, I think episode 4 whenever she starts uh, having sex and developing those intimate relationships, it's really jarring to watch I thought, but um, it's really interesting to see how she discovers herself and how she answers questions about who she is and her relationship with Chess That is you. My stars. You look... Wow. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. I thought we might bump into each other when I saw your name on the tournament list. I didn't see yours. Not planned. Chess Review sent me to write it up. Must confess, I was hoping to see you here last year. I was supposed to. I even paid the fee, but my mother got sick and I didn't want to come alone. Sure, right? Fine, I should have come on my own, but I told myself that the Open's not as important as the U.S. Championships. Oh no, no it's not, but I'm sure glad you came. It's probably a good idea for me to play in something other than the events I pick for the money. Looks like you're making a lot. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Still, you could become a world-class player, be a real pro. I started taking Russian at night. Well, that's smart. Don't want a plateau. No, plateaus are the worst. And you're far too old to be called a prodigy anymore. Beth still comes off across as this flamboyant, almost sassy character who's, she has a lot of self-confidence in herself, even though she doesn't really ex show it that much with her words she shows it with the clothes she wears and there are characters throughout the show that are drawn to that benny in particularly he's attracted by the way she looks and how she speaks and how she just displays herself but it's really interesting to see how the costume departments were going to try and portray beth throughout the different stages of her life so to sell her age the, costumed, the head of the costume and makeup department said that basically the younger Beth was the less makeup they had to use. And throughout the show they had five different wigs that they used. And the older Beth got the more eyelashes they used so it got longer and longer. And actually as an audience member I remember thinking that her eyes was like the most gripping thing in the last episode when she's the oldest. Because the amount of eyeliner she has on the sides, and when she's in her lowest stage, I think in episode six, when she does the US Open tournament and plays Benny, the eyeliner she used, I'd never seen anything like that before. It was like eyeliner at the top of her eyes and at the bottom as well. It looked really, really weird. It's not something like I would go for if I were a girl, probably. But yeah, she looked like she was going to some, it basically looked like some like makeup like, costume makeup for some char- weird, freaky-looking character. I don't know. It was. It looked really, like, alien-like. But her... she, They put a lot of emphasis on her eyes, like the amount of eyeliner she uses, just to basically show her maturity, which I, you know, I really like, because when they do flashbacks in the show, you can really identify, right, what the time period and the state of mind Beth is in, which, you know, it's useful to guide the audience that way. But another part and a way that this episode does really really good is that they are able to make chess cinematic because chess if you've actually been to a tournament which probably not many of you have but if you have it's really really boring it's incomplete silence the only drama really is the people the players moving their hands and whenever they move it quickly when they're making moves really fast i think that's the most exciting parts But with this show, they're able to make a dramatic with the music. And then Scott, the director, he focuses on the stakes around the actual game and not just the specific moves. So before the match begins, he'll build up the tension with the presence of photographers and they'll be flashing pictures. We even see this in the pilot episode the very first scene when beth is running late to her match with borgov and there's press everywhere and they're the reporters they're taking notes they're filming her every eye when beth enters that room in the pilot every eye is on her and they're all watching her go to the the chair and the chessboard where borgov is sitting so you can already tell the amount of like height height and tension from this game you know it's an important game and it's done brilliantly in, in this episode as well the players themselves and their emotions during the game they're focused on a lot with some um face-to-face camera shots and even if you don't understand the 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 games of chess they focus a lot on beth's facial reactions to show you how the game is going so in this episode um, one of the players makes a bad move and you can tell by beth's reaction that it's in her favor because she smiles a little bit but then, with her match with Borgov in episode five, I believe she makes a wrong move and she just loses it completely. She starts sweating. She's stressed out. It's really, really well done, and um, it—you know—it's it, it like it's available for a larger audience that way. That doesn't understand chess. They can just watch the drama of it, which is really, really. It's a really, really um, good decision by the filmmaker Scott. And then I actually didn't notice that this isn't about this episode in particular, but the very last scene of the show, which I've heard you know, conflicting remarks about that some people liked it and some people hated it, that they thought it was really cheesy. I liked it personally about when she beats Borgov and then she gets out of the, the car and then goes for a little walk and decides to play chess with these old guys in the park in Russia. But the outfit they chose, it was this white dress. I don't know if you can remember it, but it was like a white coat. And it was supposed to symbolize Beth becoming the queen because she looked exactly like the white queen, which I didn't pick up on, actually. I just looked at her and I thought, oh, yeah, that's like a nice coat. But it's supposed to symbolize like her reaching the peak of her career. She's the white queen because the queen is the best chess piece. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a really nice trick that Scott Frank Scott did. And another little uh, interesting piece of... And, you know, just some information about the show. They filmed most of the show in Berlin. And the only location that I know that they didn't film was outside of Benny's apartment, which is in New York. But they actually filmed that in Toronto. But this episode, episode three, takes place in, I think they go to Las Vegas. And throughout the other episodes, it takes place in Las Vegas, Mexico City, New York, Paris, Kentucky, but all of those locations were filmed in Berlin. They filmed every, every, every set in Berlin, which I was shocked at. Just the vast, like, the disparity of Berlin and how much they were able to get away with. The set design did a real, really good job. And in that episode on Netflix I was talking about, they show you how they set up each scene and how simple tables and pictures on the wall can turn a art gallery in Berlin to this fancy restaurant that's supposed to be set in Paris in the nineteen sixties. It's really stunning work by the set designers. So if you're interested in that stuff, I really recommend going to ne- going on Netflix and watching it. Just type in behind the scenes Queen's Gambit and it'll come up. It's really, really interesting watch. But in this episode specifically Beth is becoming a more popular player as she wins more tournaments and a journalist interviews Beth and they ask her about being an orphan and how she learned to play chess on her own and she also asks Beth if she's intimidated playing against all these men but Beth simply explains that a janitor taught her how to play and she mentions things that she can't control and dominate. You can control and dominate in chess, which is why she feels so comfortable because it's predictable. So it's only her fault if she gets hurt within the actual game. She wants to take full responsibility for herself, and the journalist is sort of thrown off by that. But it's one of the main themes of the show. It's about her identifying who she is and taking control over her life, and it doesn't matter who she's playing up against. There's a certain madness to her and a side of genius as well, and. Beth's mother reads this interview out in the magazine and Beth is annoyed that most of the article is about her being a girl because as I mentioned earlier, she doesn't see that as a main factor in her role in the chess community. She sees herself as a player with a certain level of skill and talents compared to all these other players. Gender is like this invisible shield or invisible, like it doesn't exist to her in that in that world all she's focused about is the chessboard and the pieces and the best move how can she defeat this player it doesn't matter if they're a boy or a girl but this episode focuses a lot on las vegas in 1966 and then she reaches the hotel building for the tournament and actually towns is there who was the the college student who found her sort of attractive even though she was like she was playing a 13-year-old girl, but she was actually 15 in real life, so yeah, sort of I uh, I don't know, that's probably crossing the line a little bit too much, uh, even for 1966, <laughs> but she's played him before, and uh, there's this nervous side to her that we get, because we don't get a lot of nervousness um, around Beth throughout the show. She's a lot more confident, in if she knows she can beat a player, then we see how confident she is and how determined she is to win but it's uh, you know towns is sort of her weakness in that sense and doubled pawns the title of the episode hints slightly at a romantic side but what beth's override she overrides is the determination to dominate the chess world and that's what overrides her romantic um, interests which is sort of ironic in a way because her personal life becomes a dominant F- uh, theme later in the series that and it's something that Beth doesn't really have control over in, in episodes 5 and 6 when she reaches her low points with alcoholism I did it all by myself without Walter without like all by myself. you really shouldn't half of this should make quite a score alright if you're going to have one get me one too this episode we get the introduction of Benny who's uh, a really really fun character and I love the actor that plays him this English uh, actor um, who was in like Love Actually and he was in Game of Thrones as well he comes off a cra- as this like skinny country cowboy guy that it looks to me that just by the way he dresses as like a cowboy he should have no no association with chess whatsoever but he's quite good and he tells Beth that he should have castled so we know as an audience that he's taking interest in her games and her moves and how she plays and uh it's you know you get the start you get the sparks of that relationship forming and i actually do like the relationship at the end of the show it's a really really warm relationship and it's conveyed uh, like that in the book as well so they literally just try to make it as accurately and um adapt it as uh as well as they could for the actual show and beth tells her mother that Harry Beltic, who we saw in the last episode, could have beaten her. And that the fact that he could have beaten her is weighing on her mind, that she could have made a mistake and that Benny was able to analyze that just by reading about it in the player. So she's self-conscious of other players trying to study her game. She knows that there are people that are better than her at this this game and she wants to overcome that she has a final goal to become the best chess player in the world and literally nothing will stop her from doing that which is something that I really admire because we this show is about can she overcome her fears it's about the child genius the child prodigy chess prodigy but when it comes to sports and games the commentators in the show suggest that there's a mental side to everything that you could have all the plays in the world but if you're played by the player you can still lose. The players can play mental tricks on you. It doesn't matter how good you are. It's the situation that matters. And the ending of episode three shows how Beth has every strategy by the book, but she needs to learn how to play the mind game. So there's a little bit of age in that. Maybe she's not as as experienced as the other players, but already we get it's a brilliant, brilliant like send-off to how episode four and five is gonna pan out when things start to heat up a little bit, but this is just a really nice taster as to her life in tournament comp- competitions and how the fact that if there's more money involved, then it piques her interest and she's even more determined to, to win. But The Queen's Gambit episode three shows both the naivety and weakness in Beth, which makes for an intriguing plot twist as the first two chapters allow her to defeat players quite easily and it sets up episode four really nicely. I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I'd give it an eight and a half out of ten just because I have to like rank each episode how I which one I prefer so I can't give them the same ranking. Um, I preferred episode two much more than I did this one but that doesn't mean that this is a bad episode it's still a really really gripping episode and what they do on the set designs when we're going to new places other than, other than kentucky it makes for a really really interesting watch never did at all did i think i was out of the 1960s i was always in that world and i was always following beth and the people she met her relationship with chess the strategy she makes when she knows who she's going to play next and how she prepares for that match it's really really interesting watch And I hope to catch you in the next one where I'll be speaking about episode four. I'll see you then.